Bible tonight, I want to encourage you to go with me to the book of Romans, uh, chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8, a very familiar portion of Scripture, but one that uh, the Lord has been uh, bringing to my mind over and over again over these last uh, days, and I just uh, felt impressed in my spirit that He was uh, drawing me here tonight And I believe that this is a message that we need to hear. And if nobody else needs it, I do. Um, I sometimes will wonder, Lord, what should I preach? What do you want me to preach to the people? And and, uh, I I don't seem to get clarity sometimes, so I just preach what I feel like I need. And uh, lo and behold... It's what everybody else needs to. And uh, God is a good God and He He answers prayer. And tonight, uh, I want to share with you some things that no doubt will be a help to you that, that has been a help uh, for me through a season of difficulty uh, here uh, in this country, in our church, in this area, uh, in the situation that we find ourselves in. And I want us to begin looking in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 18. And the Bible says, For I reckon... And by the way, I just want to stop and say, um, if you thought that uh, the apostle was from Tarsus, you were wrong. It's Texas, not Tarsus. And we know that because he, he begins this by saying, I reckon. And uh, so he was obviously from South Tarsus, uh, Texas. But anyway, the Bible says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we knoweth not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose." For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord God, I pray that tonight as we consider the truth of Your Word that we would be receptive to hear the still small voice of God. Lord, minister to every person listening now, I pray, in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight I want to bring you a message entitled, Finding Hope in Hardness. The Bible says that I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul said that the suffering of this life was by a comparison as nothing compared to the glory that one day would be revealed in us. And so in the midst of suffering and in the midst of hardness, he took perspective and he found hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the Bible gives us this promise here that we are saved by hope. And the Bible says if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. And so we have hope because of Jesus Christ. And we are saved by, by hope. We are trusting in a God that we have not seen to do something that no one has ever seen happen before. And we are trusting that in the midst of this hardness that God indeed will do exactly as He has said He would do. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 that um, the suffering of this life, it's, it's but a light thing. He said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us 
a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In the midst of a difficult day, God wants us to discover the hope that we have in Him. And I believe tonight that there are many who are listening or watching to this service and you're going through a difficult time. You're enduring things that you've never had to endure before. You're confronted with issues and circumstances that you have never had to confront before. I'm going to say this to you, and don't, don't take this the wrong way when I say it. Really, I think that much of what we're dealing with is really not that great in terms of suffering compared to what those in previous generations have had to endure. There was a season of time in our nation's history where literally everyone knew someone that had died from the Spanish flu. There was a season of time where virtually everyone knew someone who had been lost in World War I. Many of those came home only to come into a season of time that was known as the Great Depression. People who had fought for a country, maybe lost a limb, came home with a disability and, and things turned south economically and there was soup lines and bread lines and there was a difficult season of time that ensued. Uh, there were seasons of drought and, and, and seasons of lack and, and people endured very difficult seasons even in this country. The reality is they would have been considered third world type problems in an industrialized nation who emerged as a victor in a world war. And what I'm saying to you is that as we look back over the course of time, there are those who have endured difficulties. And as I consider even my own life, as I look back over the course of my life, as difficult a season as we are confronted with, I can tell you this right now, there are periods of time in my life that I don't want to have to go back and relive. In fact, uh, I would tell you that the things that I endured before have given me the hope to know that this light affliction that we're enduring now, which will be just for a moment in the economy of God, will work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I believe that what God has seen us through in our lives already puts a perspective on what we're dealing with at this time. He said, I reckon that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So out of the hardness that he endured, he found hope. Understand, Paul said to Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
And we're called to endure that hardness, and that hardness takes on many forms, but chiefly for believers, it is suffering for well-doing. It is suffering in the midst of difficulty. And my friends, I believe that we're living in a day where there is a satanic attack against the people of God, against the church of the living God. We're living in a time where those in high offices within our government are somehow trying to vilify Christians and to paint them out to be terrorists or on the line of Muslim extremists. And the reality, my friend, is that nothing could be further from the truth. And yet we're seeing the the stage set for a wave of persecution that has begun and that inevitably will come. And I'm not trying to simply be a naysayer, but I am trying to help you come to terms with the truth of the Word of God and knowing that in the last days, the Bible said, perilous times would come. That's a promise and a prophecy from the Word of God. Not that we're going to have this big, great revival. I recently spoke to a lady in an office Uh, I went to a doctor's appointment and had a lady uh, tell me, well, there's going to be a great revival. There's going to be people getting healed all over the world and and, uh, people are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and there's going to be all sorts of evangelism going on and that's getting ready to take place. And I said, you know, I pray to that end, but I also know that in the last days, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, there are going to be those that uh, are quasi-Christian and Christian in name only that will uh, lead many astray. They'll be deceived and they will be deceiving. And more preachers will be like that than will be preachers of the pure truth of the Word of God. And that is what the Bible teaches in Second Peter, and in Jude, and we could go over to the Gospel of Matthew, we could look at Second Timothy, and we understand that this is exactly what the Bible declared would take place. But in the midst of this hardness, we can discover hope. In the midst of <clears throat> suffering, Paul said, there's glory on the horizon. There's something wonderful there. My friends, in 2019, my grandmother went home to be with the Lord. She was 100 years old. She was a wonderful Christian woman. This year, we've seen several of our dear, close, faithful members of Freeway go home to be with the Lord. My mother, uh, this past year, went home to be with the Lord. Um... My dad is moving to a different place to to minister. And my family has gone through COVID. Both of my brothers had a terrible bout with it. And at different points had to be taken to the hospital. And it was a very difficult season. Gratefully, they've they've recovered in their lives. Uh, My sister... uh, Suffered a terrible accident the week before my my mother's a couple weeks before my mother's death, and uh, now struggles and is facing even the possibility of lo- losing her leg. And uh, we've seen 
people that we love and thought we would serve the Lord together with side by side until Jesus comes, uh, who have uh, been deployed by the leadership of the Lord in their life to other places. And while we take heart in knowing that uh, we have lifetime friends who have made a difference, the loss is still there. The, the pain is still real. And we rejoice and we know that God is fighting for us and we know that God is still working through the ministry of freeway. It is nevertheless something that has been a hardship that we have had to face in the midst of it all. I've had to do some soul searching and to, to do some uh, introspection as a pastor. Am I doing the things that, that I need to be doing? And, 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 I, and I pray, Lord, uh, help me to know uh, your will and do it with my might. God, I don't want to just uh, start doing all the newfangled things and try to become uh, somebody that I'm not in order to have a, a following to draw a crowd. But Lord, help me to continue to faithfully declare your truth. And, and then, Lord, would you bless it in such a way that proves that it is truth, not gimmicks, that, that carry the day in, in terms of seeing people saved and, and baptized and brought up in the faith. It, it, it's really the purity of the Word of God and not the clarity of the, uh, of the picture and the broadcast. It's, it's not the, the choreography of the praise team, but it's the, the spirit of sincerity in the heart with which the praise is lifted. And, and that it's really not all of the cultural sensitivities and uh, the efforts to be uh, relevant to your demographic that are going to, in the end, be what matters because it doesn't matter what culture or what demographic you may be working in, the needs of mankind are the same everywhere that we go. And the truth is, we don't need to to somehow soft pedal the truth of the Word of God. But sometimes it feels like that. People say, well, if you, if you just didn't preach so much about sin, or if you maybe shorten up on, on services, more people would want to come. And uh, maybe that would be better. And, uh, and I, I've, I've thought and prayed about everything. I, and, I, and I would tell you that in these days I've I faced some some hardness that I never thought I would face. Some things that, that broke my heart. And in the midst of some long sleepless nights, the Lord kept bringing me back to Romans 8. And in Romans 8, I realized that Paul found a great deal of hope in the midst of hardness. You having a hard time? I talked to some folks today that were having a hard time just getting enough to eat. Talked to some folks this week already that are having a hard time finding gainful employment. Others that are struggling with family issues and others that are having problems with chemical dependency. Some who have had friends that have walked out of their life and others who have been disillusioned and have received terminal diagnoses. I'm simply saying that there are many that are facing hardness in their life. 
And they're grasping for anything. They're, they're searching the internet to try to find it. They're, they're Googling anything. They're, they're watching any video that they think is on YouTube that might lift their spirits and give them some glimmer of hope. And, and let me say that our hope must be rooted firmly in the Lord. And I want you to, to consider that there are some things that God wants you to know in the midst of this. In the midst of the suffering, we can have hope that glory is yet on the horizon. But I want you to see that as we come through this whole passage that deals with hoping in God and, and we're saved by hope, I want you to consider the fact that the Bible tells us, as we know, in verse 26, that the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of of God. As I consider this passage, I realize that there are moments in time where we come to a season of prayer through hardness. I want to just tell you that rarely do we ever passionately seek the Lord's face in times of ease. Rarely do we ever come with a desperation for God when all is going well. When there's plenty of money to go around and friends to be had and steaks to be eaten and vacations to be taken and rarely do we ever have that passionate uh, urgency and that desperation for God in those times. Normally what occasions that is hardness in our lives, suffering in our lives and we come to the seasons of prayer and sometimes we are so overwrought that we don't even know what to say. And, and yet our heart is open before God. And there have been many times where I found myself there and in the midnight watches in recent days, I've laid awake at night just staring up to the heavens and saying, Lord, I don't even know what to ask you for. I don't even know what to say right now. And in my spirit, I just opened my heart unto the Lord. And the thing that came to my mind was that the Spirit of the living God is praying for me. And the end of that, you see, is always going to be something wonderful. If we consider what the Bible says in the book of Philippians in chapter number 4, we know that the Bible says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And you know, when we open our heart to the Lord and we bring those requests to Him, when we when we pour out our soul before Him, here's what the Bible says is the result of that. And the peace of God, 
which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And if us bringing petitions, articulating those petitions unto a thrice holy God and almighty God results in the peace of God abiding upon us, that kind of peace that is a mind-blowing peace, it, it passes all understanding, then we must know and understand that the Lord of glory who understands and knows my frame, knows my limitations, my weaknesses, my vulnerabilities, knows all my hurts and my sorrows, when I don't even know what to say, He prays it for me. And God understands. And the end of that is that He is granting me a greater peace. than I've ever had before. He's granting me a greater peace. Sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm at peace with this or that. You know, I believe that for as much as we often want others to believe that we're at total peace, we still have that, that niggling anxiety in the pit of our stomach. It's something that gnaws away at us, and when no one is looking, we're chewing on the inside of our cheek and we're twiddling our thumbs and find ourselves staring at the, at the wall wondering what the future is going to hold and, and still saying, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm turning it over to you, but we're, we're just working it over. We're mulling it over and struggling with it and wrestling with it. And God, by His Spirit in the midst of hardness, wants to lift the deepest longings of our heart to the very throne room of heaven so that He can grant you and grant me a greater peace than we have ever known before. You know, God wants to reveal things to you. That's what it says in this passage that I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, I think one of the things that God wants to reveal is that when we bear our soul before Him with transparency and vulnerability, and we don't even know what to say, but we're sincere in our spirit as we come before Him and we're crying out for Him, that He will give us something greater than we've ever known before. Sometimes we just want to go back to the status quo. I've counseled many families through the years. I find something very common. People who have gone through seasons of difficulty, maybe it's been marital infidelity, maybe it's been a drug problem, maybe it's some breach of trust. Whatever the case, inevitably someone sits with tears and says, I just want things to go back to the way that they were. I just want to go back to when we were happy. 
I just want to go back to when we were a family again. And, 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 and I, I just want what we had. And often I bring them to a place where they have to reckon with what they had. And I say, what you had is not really what you thought that it was. Because if it was really that, would you be here today? You see, what you need is not what you used to have. But you need something that's greater than you have ever had. And, and friends, that's what we need. Yesterday's peace will not console me tonight. Last year's comfort is no comfort now. And we need God in the midst of hardness to do what only He can do. And that is to pray for us to bring about a greater peace affected by the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit of God who is interceding in our behalf to flood us with who He is and His name is Comforter. You see, He's granting me a greater peace than I would have ever known if I hadn't gone through suffering. My friend, out of the wreckage of your life, God wants to intercede for you and grant you a transcendent peace that comes from the One whose name is comfort itself. So, in the midst of my hardness, I'm finding the hope that God is granting me a greater peace through the prayer of my heart that I don't even understand, but God does. And He carries it into the throne room and He intercedes for me. And then we discover that the Bible says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And I know that if you've been saved for any measure of time, much like I have, you've had someone come to you when you were going through a season of difficulty and remind you of this verse. And friend, when they did, I just imagine in that particular moment, you weren't extremely comforted. In fact, there are many times where people have tried to just glibly offer up that, you know, God, uh, He'll never give you more than you can handle. And I want to say, you want to bet? <laughs> you know, I can't handle any of this. I need God to do this. Without Him, I can do nothing. And, and then they'll say things like, well, you know, all things work together for good, brother. Well, that's true. But you know what? That's a little comfort right now. The truth is that God wants you to take hope in the midst of your suffering and know that He'll bring you to a place of greater peace and through the prayers of God in your behalf. Imagine that. And it overwhelms me whenever I think about what Jesus said to Peter on the Mount of Olives. He said, 
Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, that when thou art converted, thou mightest strengthen thy brethren and friends. Imagine that Jesus was praying for Peter. And know then that the God of glory, by His Spirit, is lifting you in prayer to bring you to a place of greater peace than you would ever experience apart from the fullness and the overwhelming presence of the One whose name is comfort. And so we, we come to that place and Paul reminds us of what we know. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them are they called according to His purpose. And it, it doesn't feel good, does it? No. But it works together for good even when it doesn't feel good. And we know that we are called according to His purpose. God has a purpose for us. And friends, as difficult as it seems, He's not done with us. There have been many times where I've, I've looked out and I've seen folks that have, have left and I, and I think, you know, I can't deal with this. I, I like having a full crowd. I like hearing the amens. I like seeing people come under conviction of the Holy Spirit. I, I like the give and the take. I, I like when, when, when heaven comes down and, and glory fills the house. I'm not used to preaching to 300 empty chairs on Wednesday night. And, 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 and folks, I'm just simply saying that, look, it doesn't feel good, but it's for good in the end. And I know that God is not finished with me yet, and the Bible says that whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now what does that mean? That we who are the called of God, we are the ones that from before the foundations of the world God chose, and what he is doing now through the all things that don't feel good, but they're for good, what in the world is the end of it all? Well, His purpose is being served. And what is that purpose? To form us into the image of Jesus Christ. The new man. That's what He wants us to be. And so, in the midst of hardness, God said, Mark, I want you to remember this. That in the midst of this hardness, and though you feel like you're going through things that you've never had to deal with before and you hope you never will again, I want to give you a greater peace than you've ever known. And I want to make you into a better man. He's making me into a better man. He's doing it, not me. I don't feel much better, but that's what He's doing, you see. I don't look much better. I, I look in the mirror every day and I, I see fewer hairs on my head, more wrinkles on my face, um, fewer muscles in my physique, um, lily white, neon white legs, <laughs> not much to see there. But that's not who I am. That's just the dressing. You see, that's just 
the extraneous. You know what God is doing in your life through this hardship? He's making you a better man. He's making you a new man after the image of Christ. He's making you a better woman. That's what He's doing. And you know, i got to tell you something. You're facing things that you never would have chosen to go through. You're dealing with circumstances that you don't like. But God will lead you through things that you've never had to go through before to make you into who you have never been before. You see, I don't need to say, I just want to go back to, to, to the, the guy I was at 30 that could bench press tons of weight and, and, and run for miles and play basketball for hours on end and wake up the next morning and want to charge hell with a squirt gun. And you know what? God doesn't want, want me to go back to that. He wants me to grow up into His image and to be better than that. Pastor, I just want to have it the way that it was before. Listen, if it was so great before, you wouldn't be where you are today. You see, God wants to give you a greater peace than you've ever known in the midst of greater hardship than you've ever known. And God wants to make you into the person that you've never been. And apart from hardship, you will never fully be. It's what He has ordained to make us into the people that He is calling us to be. And as much as it does not feel good, it is for good. And I have to come to the place where I say, in the midst of my hardness, I have hope because I know that the one who called me from before the foundations of the world, He chose me. He's not giving up on me. He's got a purpose for me and He's, he's got a purpose for you and no matter where you find yourself today, I just want you to know this reality. That God's not finished with you yet. As long as you have air coming into your lungs and your chest is going up and down, as long as you're taking a little nourishment, as long as you're not pushing up daisies, I'm just saying this to you, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And so, what I have discovered in the season of hardness is that he's granting me a greater peace than I could have ever had without this and he's making me a better man than I could ever be without that which feels bad it doesn't feel good but it's for good it's for your good I want you to See that the Bible says in verse 30, Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. We read about the, the hope of glory. And that we have this hope of the redemption of our bodies. That is what we hope for. 
The hope is for glory. And while sometimes you might feel like, you know, I'm at a dead end street. I got no place to go here. The fact is that when you feel like you have no place to go, He's leading you to a brighter place. And that is a place of glory. You see, God is granting me a greater peace and He's making me a better man, but I'm convinced He's leading me to a more glorious place. A more glorious place. You say, was that heaven? Sure, it's heaven. But you know, I got to tell you something that God wants to reveal things to me now. God wants His glory to be revealed now. I can't help but think about the message that I preached on Sunday night and how that when Solomon dedicated the temple unto the Lord his God, that the Bible says after he made his prayer that the fire from heaven fell upon the altar and that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now, folks, what God did then, He wants to do now. And let me say this, that God's temple today is not on Mount Zion. God's temple today is in the hearts of every believer because my body is the temple of the living God. And what does He want to do? He wants the glory of God to be manifest in your life and in my life. And let me say this to you, my friends, that we find that which is glorious in the most morbid of places, do we not? We, we go to a cross and we say, wow, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross, which is an instrument of death. And we move on from there and we go to a graveyard and we see an empty tomb and it's glorious. The glory of God, His power has been revealed in great wonder and majesty. But look what occasioned the glory. It was the hardness of death, the pain and finality of a burial. And yet we go to places that seem so dark and foreboding, but we know that through that, God was leading us onward under that which was glorious, a brighter and more wonderful day. And my friends, I'm so glad that the Lord didn't say, okay, you're going to stay right here and you're just going to suffer into the bitter end. No, God is leading us onward. That all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. You see, that is an ongoing purpose, an ongoing work. We are on a journey, my friend. We are pilgrims and strangers here on this earth and in the midst of difficulty. I know from the truth of God's Word that God is granting me a greater peace by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the one whose name is Comfort, than I could ever garner for myself through some religious effort. And God is making me into a better man than I could ever become through my own plans and my own purposes and my own scheduling and me setting these goals and having them all 
all fulfilled and then being so impressed with my administrative prowess and my church building abilities. No, God sometimes wants me to stumble and fall on my face just to remind me that He is God and I am not. And what I think I need to become is not even close to what God is molding me into. And in the midst of hardness, I take heart in knowing that God is granting me a greater peace by His Holy Spirit and that He's making me into a better man and He's leading me to a more glorious place. That's what He's doing for us. Do you believe that? You say, well, you know, don't give me the rhetoric. I I don't want to hear the glib. You know, God will never give you more than you can handle, brother. And you know, all things work together for good. Oh, just stuff it. I'm, I'm simply saying that, listen, this is real. And God will make it real in your heart in the moments of suffering and hardship. I want you to know two more things that God is doing. And that is this. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. You see, in times like these, we see friends and and we see loved ones and they seem to just have no loyalty and they just don't seem to share a common faith at times. We we see things taking place, people dying, going to glory. We see the, the love of many waxing cold. We see some who find no need to come to the house of the Lord in their lives anymore, and it grieves us at the deepest level. We see some who have, who have fallen away into, into vice and sin, and our heart is, is, is broken. And sometimes we who feel like we need to, to minister to them, we can look in the mirror and we can think, what, where's the sin in my life? What is it that I'm doing? And, and maybe, maybe this is now my life is Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed. Maybe, maybe the season is over. I, I, I don't know, you know. And, and what I understand is this, that look, God is on the case. And I, you know, we want to say, God is on my side. Well, listen, he's, God doesn't get on your side. God is for you, but you need to be on His side, not Him on yours. You understand? He's God and you're not. Look, we exist for Him, right? And for His glory we have been created. That all things are created by Him and all things are created for Him. I exist for Him. And so when I feel inadequate or when I feel like uh, maybe I, I, I'm, I'm useless in the economy of God and the devil wants to beat me up with things of my past or thoughts of doubt and fear, then what I discover is that the Bible comes and the Spirit ministers to us that if God be for us, who can be against us? And he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Over and over again, here is what he's doing. He's saying, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's saying this, I want you to have a spirit that is bold in God. So what is he doing in the midst of hardness? In the midst of satanic attacks and and demonic fears? 
He's giving me a bolder spirit to trust the one who is fighting my battles for me. And that he's reminding me that I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. And then I would say this. The Bible tells us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the midst of hardness, he says, I love you. And what I have learned is that as He is securing me with a perfect love. It's a perfect love that will never fail. So in the midst of hardness, as I contemplated this in the night, I realized that He led me to a place that I would never go on my own to show me a peace that I would have never known had I not been there. In the midst of the hardness, He took me through hardships that I never would have chosen to make me into what He chose me to be. And He led me to places of darkness so that the brilliance of His glorious purpose and plan could be revealed unto me. And He brought me to a place of insecurity so that I could find my confidence in Him. And He surrounded me with a perfect love and said, there's no force in heaven above or the earth beneath that will ever separate you from my love. And so, He's making me into the man that I could never be. He's really caused me to dispel myself of any notion that I want anything of my past life. I want more. I want God's plan. I want God's perfect will. I don't want what I had because it wasn't always what was best. I want what God chooses for me. And I want to continually out of the ashes discover hope and hardness. Don't forget, He'll give you a greater peace. He'll make you a better man.
He'll lead you to a more glorious place. He'll give you a bolder spirit. And He'll secure you with a perfect love. My friends, if those five things can't inspire hope in your heart, then the chances are you're not even sure that you're saved. And if that's the case, why don't you get saved tonight? Why don't you just come to the Lord and say, God, I've, I've struggled and I've found no victory and I realize it's because I've been living a lie. I'm not really your child. I don't sense the moving of the Spirit in my life. The, the Word means nothing to me. I have no peace, no victory, no desire for souls, no interest in being with the people of God, no passion for the Word, no evidence of, of the Spirit of the living God in me. And if that's you, my friend, understand that you're a sinner. Your sin has separated you from a holy God. And because of that, we're condemned to a devil's hell. That's what we deserve because of our sinful condition. The wages of sin is death. Death is separation from God spiritually. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God loved you so much that even though you were ugly and sinful and evil, God chose to send His Son Jesus, God in the flesh, to go to a cross and to shed His blood and die for you so that you might receive forgiveness and the gates of heaven may be open to you. You see, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, it was Jesus that made a way of forgiveness and the possibility of heaven for you and me. And tonight, if we would simply believe that we're sinners and can't save ourselves, we know that we deserve hell, but Jesus loved us so much that He died in our place to give us forgiveness and a home in heaven forever with Him as a free gift to all who will simply believe Him and receive it. If you will believe that, knowing that Jesus died, He was buried, and He rose again to give you that life and that hope. If you have never received that with your understanding tonight, would you pray to receive it? Would you ask God to forgive you? Would you cry out to Him to save you? Would you trust Him alone to do for you what you could never do for yourself? And that is to make yourself holy enough to merit heaven. Jesus did that for you. And so if you believe that He's the only hope that you have, then I want to invite you to pray along with me a simple prayer. Now there are no magic words because God is looking at our heart. But if the words of this prayer reflect what's in your heart tonight, let me invite you to make it your own and pray it unto the Lord and He will hear and He will answer. Join me as I pray in this prayer if you would. Lord God, I come to you now confessing that I am a sinner. And I realize that I cannot save myself. I cannot change that. 
And I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sin and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with Him. I believe that Jesus died for me and was buried and that He rose again the third day to give me life eternal. I'm now trusting in Jesus and Jesus only for my eternal salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Enable me to live for thee. For this I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, please know and understand that when God makes a promise, He keeps it. He's a God that cannot lie. He said, for whosoever, that's you, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. That's a promise. And how long are we saved for? Well, we have everlasting life. It never ends. We have eternal life. As long as God lives, we too shall live. And uh, He'll never take it away from you. And if tomorrow you should sin, you're still saved. Because know this, when Jesus went to Calvary, every sin you would ever commit was in advance. It was in the future. And Jesus took care of every sin in advance, past, present, and future. Praise the Lord for His wonderful mercy that endureth forever towards us. And if you made that decision, give us a call, send us a note, let us know. We want to send you some information. We want to send you a Bible of your very own. If you live in the Phoenix area, we want to invite you to join with us. Uh, gather here at 8501 North Black Canyon Highway in Phoenix. We'd love to see you.